You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Kawaguchi. Uh, our apologies. Um, our uh, bird app overlord is trying to keep us down. Doesn't want Calcio Cappuccino running on um, all all of our pistons today. Apparently, um, pardon our technological glitches. Um, hopefully, we get this this baby fired up um, for the very last uh, Twitter Spaces of Calcio Cappuccino for the year. But also, um, good news. Uh, we will be starting in 2023. Um, a full send podcast, Calcio and Cappuccino, will be available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Castbox, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, I think we're waiting right now to get Grella on board, but I do, as always, have with me uh, Aaron West and Dre Cordero. Thank the heavens. Hello, gentlemen. See, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed that we restarted because I thought it would have been absolutely perfect. But it was like, this is our last Twitter Spaces of the year, and then it would just be like two minutes and three seconds of weird anticipatory music, and then nothing else. And just put that out into the ether and let that just speak for itself. For anybody that managed uh, to like jump on the first go round, I hope you enjoyed our elevator music. We didn't have any choice in the selection. <laughs> Apparently, Elon's really into that. I don't know. I don't know what Elno is doing with this app. I don't know what he is doing in his life right now he's going through some stuff and he's putting us through it with, with twitter i don't i don't appreciate us being a part of like his midlife crisis but it's it's whatever i guess we're here uh no elevator music uh chalatuki um wow happy holidays to everyone the music was only the second weirdest thing that's happened in the last 15 minutes uh, because as we were finishing up our pre-production meeting, uh, someone made a Forrest Gump joke to which Mike Grilla responded, what is Forrest Gump? And I need, I need answers. I need answers. I can't, I, I I can't just let that leave. I almost wrecked this entire production because I was like, no, we cannot leave this meeting before before we figure out what's going on here. No, I know Forrest Gump. I just I don't know if there was a Forrest Gump segment. I must have blanked out a little bit and, and uh, just wanted to make sure prepared for a Forrest Gump segment. I, I honestly, I wouldn't put it past Andrea or any of you guys to, to have a Forrest Gump segment in, in a city uh, forum. But but uh, we, we just we have a lot of talents. You know, we like to show our full range. But it's nice to have you back. Right? You know what? That that I will accept. The, just not knowing what Forrest Gump is is what is what I thought we with the direction we were headed in. And I just wanted to yeah. know like how that happens. Like I had a whole set of questions to go through, but we're, we're is he uh, is he from Avellino? Actually, talk about the football. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's, he's not. Oh, he's not bleeding. All right, I'll, I'll ask around about him. So I guess we should give the people what we're telling them they want today. Um, we're going to kick it off with uh, some light recap of our very explosive, possibly the most exciting World Cup final I have ever put my eyeballs on. Um, we had uh, an Angel Di Maria. Uh, that was like the break glass in case of emergency version. 
absolute baller. Like he's been shelving that version for quite a while. I feel like we haven't seen that. Um, and the rest of that Argentina squad, including Debu. Um, I don't know, Dre, what, what did you think of? Was uh, Angel the only standout for you on the Argentina side? Obviously, we've got a messy win. Um, Argentina are probably still drunk in the streets. Respect. <laughs> Uh, I want to do I want to do a good forty five minutes on Angel Di Maria if we could honestly because um, I, I I'm just I'm in love with the footballer that is Angel Di Maria and I think it may be that if he were you know better better looking or more marketable I think the perspe- the perception of Di Maria and the narrative around him would be very different from what it is because he has been for the entirety of his career such an absolutely elite footballer and then the versatility of him as well as what like stands out to me the most. And so I'll start with this. I think after Messi on this Argentina team, the player whose legacy is most boosted, most cemented by this World Cup final is Angel Di Maria. And for years, I've been wondering sort of what what could have been, right? Because you go back to 2014 in Brazil um, and Di Maria was in excellent form going into that tournament. He scores the goal in the round of 16 two minutes from penalties that sends them through against Switzerland. Messi assists uh, Di Maria. Uh, he's injured 30 minutes into the quarterfinal against Belgium after Gonzalo Higuain had already scored. Um, and, and you just wonder if he was there for that final against Germany in a World Cup in which Messi created by far more chances than anybody else. And seemingly the rest of the Argentina players could not put it away, Higuain and others. Um, what would have been if Di Maria was there and how would that have changed both his legacy and Messi's. And I don't think any of us was certain, even though I picked Argentina to win this World Cup, none of us was certain that this was going to happen for Messi, that this was going to happen for Argentina. Um, and Di Maria proved to be the difference in the final, despite not being 100% throughout, despite not playing every match, um, played a little over 200, almost, I think, like around 230 minutes, something like that. And he was a difference maker in that final. And again, it was because of that versatility. I think Scaloni surprised uh, France and Deschamps by playing him on the left. But we've seen, if, if you've paid attention to Di Maria's career, like my favorite iteration of Angel Di Maria was when he played as a mezzala uh, under Carlo Ancelotti at Real Madrid around 2013, 2014. He would play as sort of an inside left. Um, for Louis van Gaal, he would play on the left side of a midfield diamond in a 4-4-2. And, and now, you know, he's predominantly a right winger, but he plays on the left where he paired up uh, or matched up really well against Koundé, where I think he limited uh, Dembélé, where he drew the penalty against Dembélé, where he scored a goal, where Argentina almost collapsed after Di Maria was taken off. And I think we saw there like an indisputable moment, indisputable evidence of just how good Di Maria is, even at this stage of his career, even not being 100%, being arguably, you know, next to Messi, Argentina's most important player in their most important moment. Dre just said, I am a man of taste. Yes, I agree with with all of that. I think that, taste and culture. yeah, I'm like, oh, yes, please tell me more. This is poetic. No, um, I think for me, it's like, we all know that Angel Di Maria has the capacity to be that player. I think it's just a, a, a pocket of just where does all of this come from at once? And yes, I understand that you're in a World Cup and it's, you know, do or die at that point. But I wish we saw more of that version of him uh, more consistently, especially back at Juve now. I don't know. Uh, Grella, do you think that uh, we'll see that same version of Di Maria coming back into Serie A this season? Or do you think that that is only encapsulated in an Argentina squad? I'm not sure. Uh, it's a difficult one because now he's won the World Cup. He's won everything he's he's got money uh he's got uh, the respect of the footballing world everywhere i think the two things that dre said that the, that were the most important was number one that he makes the difference right 
lot of good players, uh, fantastic players throughout the history of the game, but not not all of them can make the difference uh, with a couple dribbles or a couple moments uh, and have that sort of unlocking of the defense that he has. Um, he, we've seen it with Juventus uh, in, sporadically this year, but we've also seen it um, all World Cup. So he, he makes the difference uh, always, Di Maria. And, and also when, when what Dre said is when he got subbed out, the game changed drastically. France got right back into the game because, you know, Argentina lost that outlet, lost that threat in the front. It was just really messy uh, and, and, and nobody else. So once Di Maria went out. So those two things are important. Now, what does he bring back to Juventus in the, in the coming years? It's a difficult one to say because is his motivation going to be there? You know, you just won the World Cup. I know for sure. For sure. I mean, I won the Supporters' Shield in MLS, but if I won the MLS Cup, that's it. I have no more motivation. That's it. Forget about it. If I won the World Cup, yeah. I don't need to show up anymore to, to, to train. Wow. Grilla, Grilla, comes up. Grilla comes to the next preseason, 25 pounds overweight. Just, what do you mean? It's not, hey, Dre, that's not theoretical, dude. I, I did that. I, also, I did that. <laughs> I've done it. I, I agree with both Dre and Mikada here. I in, if we're looking forward, I'm not sure what to expect from Di Maria. Um, I think when you pull on that Argentina shirt, when a player like him pulls on that Argentina shirt, it it's extra motivation. You feel the weight of an entire nation behind you, like it's it it's heavy. Um, you see the the motivation he plays with, and, and but Di Maria is a big game player. He has scored yep. in four finals for Argentina that they've won. He is. We've seen it over and over again when he is healthy and when he is fit. He is an insane player. I've always loved Di Maria as a player. I didn't know what version of him we would get at, at Juve. I've always, always loved him, though. For I, I love football because you can get so many different archetypes of, of a player. You get a Messi. You can get uh, a Van Basten. You can get a Dennis Bergkamp, a Thierry Henry. And for me, Di Maria, all, I always kind of like saw a little bit of myself in him because he was so frantic. He always looks hurried. He always like is just sprinting in 100 miles an hour, but he's never really out of control. He always looks like he might just fall down. Uh, but everything he does is so incisive. It's terrifying when he's playing. you're playing against him. He works so hard on both sides of the ball. You can see he just cares so much. I had the the uh the opportunity to interview him he was the first actual interview i ever did in spanish when he was at psg and went to paris uh i, I interviewed him and then i interviewed neymar and I, he was the first interview and i was like listen and I, in spanish i was like listen man i'm terrified to do this in spanish he was like man te lo cuido. he was like i'll take care of you like we talked about his kids we talked about his family he was like the nicest most humble dude uh, one of my favorite interviews I've done yet, and just I like I wish all the best for him, and I'm so happy he won a World Cup. So for me, I like I love Angel Di Maria. I I think he 100% deserves a World Cup. Looking in the past, now this season I have literally no idea what to expect from this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I want call, I just want go and like catch a little muscular injury and just grill and, and just uh, saddle every weekend. <laughs> just He's just in the stands looking good. <laughs> Uh, clapping the fans, like, I, or he may have motivation to go and win another trophy. Who knows? You, you never know. He he is a, a a quintessential professional. We've never really seen him slack. He his time in United was tough because I think a lot of people look at him negatively because of that. But it was a tough situation overall. And then when your family gets put into danger, your house gets broken into, like 
everything in your kind of world gets shaken up. I don't really know how you can expect someone to also still be good at soccer after that. Uh, so yeah. I have a lot of, I have a Do lot it on of, X and he feel, I talked to him about it. He feels <laughs> awful about that time. He looks back at it really regretfully. He's like those, I, I don't feel like I, I was able to give the supporters like what, what they deserve. And he looks at it really, really regretfully. But I think he will now finally be recognized as the player that he should be. And, but moving forward, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> don't know so you had pointed guy. out like tug, the weight of tugging on that Argentina shirt. And I think that, you know, we also saw that on Lautaro Martinez, this World Cup. Um, Dybala ended up getting some scant minutes toward the end. Um, which, I mean, I feel like everybody is going to cheer because it's Dybala. But um, did anyone expect for him to have a larger role in this side, this World Cup? Or not did all. we get what you expected? No. <laughs> I did yeah. not expect that. I What we got is about what I expected, if we're going to be. I didn't expect him to, to be called on to take a penalty. And I did not expect <gasps> him to that it to go that well for him. Especially yeah, coming on like kind of cold. I, I wasn't kidding out loud. I was like, he's going to miss it. Uh, I wasn't kidding when I said I wanted to do, I wasn't kidding when I said I wanted to do 45 minutes on Di Maria. I'm not ready to move on. So apologies, <laughs> I've got, I've got some more to say. Um, yeah, I love that. Hit us so, so here, this, this is just straight up fantasy football because I do not believe that, um, that a lady is going to do this. But, but when I mentioned that um, my favorite iteration of Di Maria was when he was playing as, as sort of a central midfielder, I would love on this UV team, especially, right. I, I know that Fagioli is coming up. Um, and, and, you know, it's played quite well and deserves minutes. But I look at another Juve youngster who could be getting minutes in the latter half of the season when things restart in Illing Jr. And the return of, of Federico Chiesa and the speed that those guys give you on the wing and sort of their creativity and their explosiveness. I, I would love to see, and again, this may just be fantasy football on my part, but when Carlo Ancelotti had him at Real Madrid, he made him part of a uh, center midfield trio with Xabi Alonso and Luka Modric. Now that, I mean, granted, this is many years ago, uh, but it was a beautiful, beautiful center midfield trio to watch. Um, and I think if you pair him up, whether it's, you know, Paul Pogba and uh, Wesley McKenney, or whether it's Adrian Rabiot, or whether it's Fagioli, having that creativity, like Di Maria would give you something in those midfield areas that those guys don't have. A, a player who sort of, you know, drives forward, takes players on from that from those central areas, you know, especially on the left-hand side, that I don't think anybody else on that team, maybe, you know, uh, McKinney, always a very, very different player, comes closest to that sort of breaking lines in possession. Um, I think Rabiot starts a little bit deeper back and whatnot. I would love to see a Juve that has, you know, Illing Jr., Chiesa, and Di Maria out on the pitch at the same time. Um, and I think that's probably a way of getting the ball to Vlahovic more, of, get, of, of being more proactive, being more attack-minded. I, I don't think Allegri's want to do it, but I, I would I, I would think it would be really enjoyable to watch. I don't know. How you guys Should we start that. the petition now? Because I'm I'm cool with that. Maybe we need to slip Allegri a note. <laughs> like I, I like <laughs> very, very vividly remember that Real Madrid and that iteration of Di Maria, and I really, really liked him. I would be interested to see it because I think, like, if anything, he wouldn't be the Dia Maria in that midfield. He'd be more of the like Luka Modric kind of like linking play because he doesn't have the legs to be the old Di Maria. But I think, like you said, he has that that ability that no one else in this Juve really has to find those pockets of space, to find those little passes, to wiggle out. Like he's insanely press resistant. Uh, so to have a player like that in midfield would be, I think, a very interesting thing that. Allegri would never ever do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so follow people. Yeah. 
I, I think other than um, than, than Di Maria, the, the rest of the Argentines for for Argent, for Argentina weren't you know particularly impressive. Dybala got a minute in the final, got 17 minutes in the semifinal against Croatia. I thought Lautaro Martinez was a disappointment. I think he ran very hard. Well, he worked really the, hard. The Gonzalo Iguain mask for for this one. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I but like even even Iguain. Even Iwain scored in a knockout stage, you know, the, the only goal against was it Belgium yeah, and Brazil to get them through. <laughs> when you're talking about an Argentina shirt. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, Leandro Paredes, I think, maybe had the most significant role of the force of the four outside of, of Di Maria. He played over 200 minutes. Um, he played the last point. It's a trophy for him. Shithauser d'Or. Yeah. Uh, he won Shithauser d'Or for the World Cup. He and Emmy, I think, win that jointly. But Emmy got his golden glove, so he can have that. We'll talk about him later. But yeah, shit, how's the door, Leandro <laughs> Paredes, especially against with the the ball striking into the stands. Was that against Netherlands? I believe. Dibu uh, Martinez, Dibu Martinez receiving the golden glove will be the lasting picture for me at this World Cup. It will not be messy. It will not be messy carried on the shoulders of his compatriots holding the the, the World Cup. It will not be messy on the shoulders of Kunagüero. Martinez. Tell me, you saw the tattoo of him air humping the golden glove trophy that has That's now it. been put on a human being's body by choice. If you haven't, I, 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 um. Indulge yourself. Please go I'm Google it. It's Google worthwhile. It. I'm scared. It. <laughs> I think I think just to rewind just a little bit too is like it's an important message about football that Argentina and the World Cup in, in general, but Argentina, France final. France, to me, I think to anyone who really watches the game is a much better team with much better pieces in general. Um, but it goes to show you that when you have a good unit and you have a good team, team that plays for each other. I think it was very clear that uh, Argentina, the way they were going to play, they were going to be difficult to play against and defensive. And you look at them as a whole, like Trey was mentioning, aside from Di Maria and Messi, it's very, by world-class standards, by World Cup final standards, very average group. Um, and, and to go on and win the World Cup against a team like France that have so many dangerous pieces, Mbappe being unbelievable, uh, their most unbelievable piece, maybe the best player in the world right now from what I what I saw in the final, absolutely. Um, it, it just goes to show you when you put together a good unit, disciplined, organized, that you can you you have a chance to win uh, anything. Because I think France was a much better team in that final. Yeah, there's that psychological see element. What Scaloni does after this. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Jay. Go ahead, Jay. No, I appreciate it. There's that. There's that. Another, there is that. There is that. Um, and we don't talk about this as much because we often don't have the access to it, right? You don't have the access to the locker room. You don't have the access to the group. You get rumors. You get, you know, the the dailies writing whatever they want. Some of it is gossip. Some of it is true. But the the aspect of it that we don't get to talk about often enough because of that lack of access is the the psychology of the team, the what they're playing for, whether they truly like each other, whether they tolerate each other. And you don't have to like love each other to, to be a good team, but there has to be that that level of sacrifice, a level of work that again you don't have access to unless you're seeing all the training sessions, unless you're seeing um, you know what that locker room is like. And this Argentina team, it seemed to pour out of them in a way that you don't normally see um, when you just get you know seven games at a World Cup and all you have is the product that you're watching, whether you're at on the pitch or whether you're watching it on the on the tv broadcast i thought we got a certain amount of access to the togetherness of this argentina team to the mentality of this argentina team in their behavior before during and after matches right when you see um messi everybody goes to celebrate 
um, with was it Molina who scored the uh, game-winning penalty to, to, to clinch the, the World Cup final. Messi goes directly at Diego Martinez. He knows where that thing was won. Uh, Rodrigo De Paul, after one of the games, absolutely collapses on the pitch. He ran himself completely ragged, and everybody's sort of going through their own celebration. Messi goes directly to Rodrigo De Paul and picks him up by the scruff of the neck. Essentially, looks and. and the Paul is in tears. Grown man, he's in tears because one of his idols is sort of picking him up at the end of a World Cup after this sort of emotional exhaustion. And I think that's one of the most interesting things of this World Cup for me is that the thing that we don't normally have access to, we saw pouring out of Argentina after every single game, including the loss to Saudi Arabia. I think it, one of the like this is a singular thing that we will probably never ever see again is watching like twenty-two players that grew up idolizing a member of their team. Yes. Like yeah. playing, like Emmy Martinez said, like I would, I want to die for Messi, and that's not, that's probably not an exaggeration for a lot of these guys. <laughs> like legitimately, like probably most of them would actually take a bullet if it was on offer for Messi. They would take that bullet, and like mm-hmm. you saw that when they were running around on that pitch. And it's the World Cup so so interesting. We talked about this in previous episodes. It's like we saw that commitment from a lot of these guys in that shirt, but. What is it like on a club level? Because now it's a whole different situation. World Cup's over. Like now we got four years of you playing in not a, a an Argentina shirt for the World Cup for Messi anymore. I'm I'm always interested to see how levels change when the motivation changes, and I think that's what makes like exceptional pros is like when the motivation changes, like and when the level changes, how how good are you? Um, but it's just these storylines. This is I. And I'm not to out my wife, but I had my camera like we watched it in separate rooms because <laughs> we don't do well. <laughs> we do not. Neither one of us are good people to watch games with. And we <laughs> one of the reasons we work very well together is that we know that. Uh, so like right as it ended, I like had my phone out, walked downstairs because I knew she would be just like sobbing on the couch that like she's been like a messy fan her entire life. I felt I'm I'm not usually I'm very emotional in general. Like I love the game, but I don't get that so i don't feel that sort of emotion that deeply but i know she feels things so much more acutely than i do and, and things like that and she was just like sobbing on the couch she's like stop filming me like <laughs> I was like, I have to do it. I have to do it. But I know that Aaron, Aaron is like one of the top, top uh, on our list of people we send to watch parties. And he's like, I'm a terrible person to watch soccer games with. <laughs> I do it for work. <laughs> Please be aware. If you see me at a watch party, I'm probably getting paid for it. <laughs> I'm being paid to suppress my emotions outwardly. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm, I'm not, I'm a terrible loser. I'm like, I'm I'm a sarcastic person when I'm losing. I'm a hurtful person when I'm losing. I'm not a good oh winner God. either. Like, <laughs> Honestly, not, same. But I, not I, I, ideal. I come from a long line of people who are losers. Like my no no really people instilled still that. Like in me because I I like keep those parts away from them mostly. <laughs> so my last my last point on Argentina, just to sort of bring it back, is um it, to just also piggyback on what Grello was saying is this wasn't the World Cup of the Argentine stars with the exception of Messi who everything seemed to be you know revolving around the the sun that is Messi in the solar system um, it wasn't the Leandro Paredes who's one of the bigger names it wasn't the Lautaro Martinez who's one of the bigger names it wasn't Paulo Dybala who barely played and is one of the biggest names it was the you know 
Argentina World Cup of the Julian Alvarez, who's, who's you know, fledgling. McAllister. Uh, <laughs> Fernandez, Nahuel Molina. You know, Debo Martinez is a very good goalkeeper, but he's not sort of, he wasn't a star name coming into, into this World Cup necessarily. And so I thought, that togetherness of this group, the the, the workmanlike mentality of Scaloni's men is probably, aside from Messi, the lasting legacy of this World Cup. And we'll see how that affects. You know, I think, I think major tournaments have rippling effects into, into the next ones. And I thought uh, Argentina winning the, the Copa America, getting that monkey off their back, winning something for the first time since 93, had a lot, a lot to do with them being successful at this World Cup. It's the reason why I picked them. I thought, you know, you remember Spain when they won the Euro, the World Cup and the Euro in successive fashion. Um, remember Germany. Uh, doing something similar and you know just uh, that that's i think what i'm going to stay with in this world cup is is can france you know come back and and now in the next euro sort of carry that over into another tournament um is this sort of a, uh, a rebirth of argentina or a turning of the page um also yeah, dre, also dre you forgot to mention that one of the argentina players that were the best players for them was also a little bit help from the referees i was happening a lot in the game <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, and, and they earned it. They deserved it. It was great to see Messi win the World Cup. Um, like we said, unit. But they also did receive a lot of, for me, a lot of help from the from the referees, whether it was just lucky or whatever. But um, de- definitely a lot of soft stuff, you know, uh, leading up to a lot of the games, leading up to the final. I, I would, I would, uh, the only thing I'll say to that is to point to any major team that won a final that did not benefit from any lucky decisions on the way. Oh, no, no, it's not a, yeah, absolutely. But also it's important to mention that everything went their way in terms of the decisions and the penalties. And I mean, listen, that's a lot of penalties that they received in seven games. Uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, seven games, right? Um, well, they also allowed two at the final, right? Like, yeah, yeah. But also, you know, it was strange to me, maybe somebody knows more, that the referees in, in a lot of big moments didn't go to the screen to see it themselves. I mean, some of the penalties, I still don't know, looking at them, I still don't know if they're penalties. Uh, how can the referee not go and see the screen for himself in those moments? I don't know if they had a different system or a different uh, way to use the VAR or, or, or whatever. But but for me, I mean, I'm looking at the penalties over and over and over again, and I can't tell. So I, it just is mind-boggling that some of these referees were 100% certain on some of these on some of these big moment penalties, big moment decisions, you know. I just had a, a mental image of our resident rules expert, uh, Christina, Christina Uncle, just seriously <laughs> typing away a WhatsApp message to Grilla that he's going to receive any second now. I'm just getting warmed. I'm just getting warmed up for her anyway. But I, just, just <laughs> things did go By that the way. Time the next show rolls around, Grilla's going to be in full form. <laughs> oh my god! You know, it's funny because I know we're heading into the new year, and obviously January fourth will bring us back to Serie A. But um, I'm still waiting. Perhaps uh, in the new year, we'll have Christina back on because right now, obviously, we're heading into the uh, implementation of semi-automatic offside tech for Serie A. But also yeah. the argument going back and forth with um, because Serie A was one of the early adopters for VAR, um, they're now tinkering with this notion of like manager challenge of VAR, which would be more like a tennis Please call or whatever. Please make it a red flag. Please make it a red flag <laughs> oh, on the pitch. Just I need a red flag thrown on the pitch. But speaking of referee decisions, really quickly, I'm sorry. This is the first time in recorded history we can say that leg day, that skipping leg day should have been the move because a man's posterior kept yep. 
Lost in the <laughs> <one. I> mean, <laughs> You should have skipped leg day, my dude. <laughs> Listen, Aaron, let them eat cake, okay? May everybody have a bountiful Like all that cake lost exterior. in the World Cup final. So there's <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, can can oh, I uh, talk a little bit about uh, a non-Argentine player that I thought was just massively oppressive that this broke up? Yes, please write us your yes, sonnet. because I have a feeling I'm going to agree with you. Let's yeah. go. So Morocco is indisputably one of the main stories of this World Cup. Um, they made history, making it to the semifinals. Uh, first Arab nation uh, to get there, first um, African nation to get there. And I, I, an, an absolute standout for them was Sofian Amrabat. And I know we, we've touched on him briefly, it, briefly in previous uh, podcasts over the World Cup, but I do think it's worth spending a little bit of time on a player who I think has had his profile raised the most out of any of the Serie A players coming out of this World Cup, right? We knew um, that to an extent, Di Maria's legacy was secure, although it's boosted significantly by winning the World Cup. Um, I don't know that the rest of the Argentine players or the French players, for that matter, did a ton to sort of raise um, their status coming out of this this tournament. Uh, but I do think that Amrabat playing a, a dramatically different style from what he does with um, Fiorentina, uh, and Italiano, um, maybe more restricted style because the, you know Rocco is a team that uh, was much more defensive. And when I say defensive, I think much much more compact, right? Because it's not as if they're sitting in a super low block with two lines of four, one inside, one outside the eighteen. They were just no matter whether they were in the opposition's uh, half or in their own half or in the middle third of the pitch. They there was really short distance between organization rather than uh, absolutely. Like <laughs> and, and Amrabat was sort of the glue of that, right? When in that 4-1-4-1 that they played most of the tournament uh, and he was sort of uh, the organizer in that middle area, protecting the the, the, the back four, um, dropping in between the, the, the center backs. Um, you know, his passing was, was decent. And he, when you watch him for Fiorentina, Italiano is such a, a an attack-minded, forward-thinking man. They create a ton of chances. Everybody flies forward. And Amrabat has that uh, liberty to get involved in the attack. They play with a double pivot uh, at Fiorentina as well. So, you know, if he leaves, there's another central midfielder there to sort of cover for him. He didn't have that with this Moroccan team, but just seemed to have this superhuman level of concentration to never make a mistake, to always make the right decision. Um, and I think maybe... Morocco isn't as good or as organized or disciplined or as solid without the contributions of Sofian Amrabat, who arguably got as much playing time leading up to the World Cup as he did because of the injury to Castrovilli at Fiorentina. I think if, if that doesn't happen, maybe his, his playing time is limited. Maybe we don't see the same level of play from Amrabat. But, but I think he's one that now goes into the resumption of the Serie A season absolutely boosted by his performances and his profile. I think I think he's like, uh, it's like if you put the Hulk, if the Hulk was a soccer player and you put him <laughs> in the center midfield and he just, just scooping up like a vacuum to all the balls. He's physically so powerful. I agree with everything you said. And for some of the passing as well, was like, you know, people think, Mor you know, Morocco played a very defensive tournament. And I think before the, uh, before they had played France, they had only let in one goal. It was an own goal uh, because they were so organized. And, and yeah, maybe they did play slightly defensive, but, when they needed to go into the attack, they went quickly, and it was because a lot of it was from Amrabat's passing. His passing was constantly breaking lines. They were on the ground, you, and you, this is another thing: like you don't need to play in the air to break lines. Like you can play the ball on the ground and break lines, and those are the most effective passes because the guy who's receiving it is able to take a touch and, and really take benefit of that broken line. He did that all tournament. I mean, he just broke lines with his passing, passing that we could only really see from the TV. In terms of when you're on the field, uh, a lot of people don't realize how difficult it is to see those lines. And there's a lot of guys moving at a very fast pace. But when you're watching it from bird's eye view on the television, you know, you can see these passes. It was almost as if he had the same view we had because of some of the passing that he made. He just made 
the most efficient pass in the most efficient way so quickly so many times. And then aside from that, he was just a Hulk in the center midfield. Uh, definitely a player that I thought was a very good player. But now for me, he's even at a new level after the World Cup. I, I totally agree with not, that. Oh, I, go ahead, Christine. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I think that if we look at the World Cup as just a massive showcase, he absolutely beasted it. Like, he definitely – he did everything that he possibly could to make it his. Um, that whole squad played with a lot of heart, but he certainly was an integral piece to it. Um, defensively, yeah. I mean, I feel like they played some, like, very modern, nouveau, catenaccio version of ball that was um, – I mean – cohesive right like it doesn't always have to be the most exciting I personally like you know Italiano ball but um, I hope that uh, if in fact Amrabat stays with the viola um, that we get to see more of this version of him Um, I just don't know I kind of feel like when the transfer window opens there's going to be a lot of cash being thrown in his direction and rightfully so yeah I I 100% agree with you guys I think us Number one has to be Amrabat in terms of like profiles being raised during the tournament. Probably number two, Alexis McAllister, because nobody and like even if you watch Premier League, you're not like, oh yeah, Alexis McAllister from Brighton. Nick, he wasn't fantastic. even supposed to be there. Like, like <laughs> he's a good player. Yes, I've mm-hmm. seen him play a few times, and like, oh, that guy's good. But you were no one was like, oh, Alexis McAllister, world beater. Yosef um, <laughs> Vario, I'm trying to pronounce that right. Yosko, uh, Yosko yeah. Vario. Uh, a lot of uh, obviously well-known in Bundesliga, but I think he massively raised his profile like around the world. But 100%. Amrabat, my goodness. Like, I think Hulk is so apt. <laughs> he just literally <laughs> destroys everything in the middle of the pitch. You see him just, again, vacuuming up everything in midfield, those long legs, like intercepting passes, crashing through players when it need to be, making fouls when he needed to, those passes, incisive passing. And it's not like he's making necessarily – Kevin De Bruyne passes. It's just the right pass almost every single time. Like, I didn't, I'm not like sitting here looking at his pass percentages in front of me, but I would wager they were pretty solid. The one, um, and, hey, Aaron, the one where he, like, for me, is the one he chases uh, Mbappe like 60 bro, yards. What in the world? <laughs> it's just like, it's literally like, I felt like one of those. Like, oh characters of an old school scout when i'm like whipping out a notepad like call everybody (laughs) (laughs) you gotta get this kid (laughs) aaron's on on the sidelines wearing a fedora scribbling (laughs) furiously into his notes like why is he dressed like bear bryant all of a sudden (laughs) (laughs) also just a little tangent like Vardiol from from croatia fantastic player leading up to the tournament and then into the tournament um, awesome and then I think he, his price tag went down $20 million Bro, I, literally tweeted, I literally tweeted, I was like, everyone who was interested in Vardio should be should thank Messi because he he just shaved uh, $30 million <laughs> off his price tag. Easily, easily. <laughs> and, and like, Messi, Messi, but that was really <laughs> poor defending, I, I thought. And, and even on the first goal where he just split wide open, you know, with the other center back. So, listen, he's awesome, but he's still 20 years old. And he, he he's still 20, he's still got a lot of growth. Yeah. And every center back is going to go through that. He just happened to go through it in front of billions of eyes. <laughs> listen, Messi, Messi made Boateng fall like a redwood uh, at one point. Uh, he, he has a, I don't think it's any shame to be embarrassed by Lionel Messi. Yeah. Killed many a man. And yeah, Vardy old, you'd have nothing to be ashamed of. You were just added yeah. to the list. <laughs> yeah. 
It's almost a badge of honor. He took he took him for a walk, but it's almost a badge of honor. Yeah, yeah. Now he can go on and win the World Cup or something. <laughs> I love how we're like we could just run through World Cup stuff real quick. <laughs> Forty minutes later, or like yeah, we yeah. My, my secret, Drake, my secret plan. Five minutes on Di Maria. Left. Oh, Di Maria. I hope, <laughs> you know? Like I hope, I hope that this makes its way to Angel Di Maria, and he understands the level of appreciation post World him. Cup. I'll check. Yeah. My uh, my my secret plan for these things is to always just fill enough space that we don't we don't have enough time to get into transfer rumors so like, ah, we're out of time we gotta <laughs> move oh, on man, to something else wrap it up, man. So, we have man. at least one that's not a rumor right so we have a memo going to Salernitana um on a six-month deal which should i think prove uh highly effective for them because right now they are 12th on the table they're a little bit heavy on draws and losses and who wouldn't take memo in my opinion? I'd be like, yes, of course, sir. Please stand in goal and do some magic with your perfectly quaffed curls. No, nobody else feels that way about memo. No, okay. I don't. I don't Sorry. think we should hire you as a sporting director based on this sort of decision. If we're gonna be honest, <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Christine. But, but based on these sort of decisions, I don't know if you're you're up for the no? job. No, <laughs> I, mean, I, I could be. I could be. I mean, good hair. Memo lets in seven way. goals, but he shakes his hair. She's like, it's okay. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. It's we can, we go again. Me giving the pep talk in the dressing room. I'm like, you know, it's fine if we're down like 17, and that's atypical. He's got great hair. Somebody passed the shampoo olaplex let's go hey everyone this is jimmy conrad your favorite former u.s men's national team player and the host of the call it what you want podcast and i'm here to tell you that viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language it's inspired from the coastal california lifestyle just like me its products stand the test of time just like me and also just like me it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant healthy lives Fiori gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com slash sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com slash sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles... Chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So, so because we don't have a lot of time for transfer rumors, I say we use these last few minutes uh, looking ahead to uh, the restart of, of match day uh, 16 in Syria um, because we're coming back in full force. Uh, myself and Matteo Bonetti will be on the call for Inter-Napoli, um, which is just a brilliant way of of getting things back on their way because, oh yeah, Napoli, remember them. Um, they <laughs> uh, were absolutely brilliant. And and it's, it's weird, right? Because this feels a little bit like 
when I first started my career, I would do like uh, Colombian soccer, El Salvadoran soccer, like these leagues that had these strange formats, right? Where, you know, they would do like a first half of the season. And then based on that, they would do like a second half of the season. And so this really does feel Apertura, like... Uh, la clausura. <laughs> and, and some of them were really weird. Like some of them, the points that you had in the first half in the Apertura would matter as to like where you would start in the clausura, you know, like this is the most bizarre kind of formatting. And I think this feels a bit like that with Serie A returning, you know, match day 16 and this feeling a bit like like a new season like it feels like a year has happened since we last saw uh, the Serie A in action and Inter Napoli are two of the teams that we probably have are, are most curious about right because um you know, are Napoli every bit as good in the restart as they were before? Um, is Inter sort of back on the upswing to where they're going to be a, a legitimate and serious title contender? And so they get to measure up head to head in the very first match they back in what is without a doubt uh, the most exciting match of round 16. I, I mean, I hope it's... so. <laughs> I'm still riding for Napoli. So, uh, I mean, Drake curse be damned, like uh, Scudetto, uh it's technically over because he bet on Argentina and they won. So it, there, uh, an aspect of it is over. Can uh, we be sure, though? I mean, I'm still a little bit superstitious in that realm. Oh, uh, I'm hearing from production that he still lost the bet, so the curse is still on. All right, that's, scrap that. <laughs> scrap that. Um, here is the one thing that I want to talk about. Everyone's, like, posting the memes of, like, Erling Holland, like, I've just been chilling, like, waiting for my opportunity to come back. You know who's also been doing that? Fichak Faracelia. Just yep. chilling at home, waiting, watching everyone just, like, have their names blow up, just seething that he didn't get to go to the World Cup and just waiting for his opportunity to show that I belong there. I belong on this stage. And he already showed us that he's one hell of a player. I feel like the motivation to come back after the World Cup and not having had your opportunity to play there. And he's young, too. Like, having that much of a rest. I think he's going to be so good in the second half of the season. I don't want to jinx it, knock on wood, but I am so excited for this kid, and I think Napoli are, are going to be very good. I'm not going to put any expectations on them, but I think they're going to be fun still. Uh, Grella, from your perspective, when you've had time to rest and take a fiber, when you're not on a high note necessarily and gaining 35 pounds, yeah. um, what's what's the mental space look like for you? Are, are you coming back uh, 150% or... Where yeah, give me give me the, the former pro perspective. For for me personally, I had to have a I had to have a good preseason, um, and I had to have a preseason and be with the group. It, it, that's why, like Antonio Conte, before going to Tottenham, never had joined the team in the middle of the season because he wants that one month and a half, two months, whatever, uh, to get the group together, be on the same page, eat together, suffer together, run together. Uh, do all these things so that he's building a unit, he's building a team. Uh, and you just don't know. Like, we're going to see with Napoli now, they have a really tough schedule in January. It's cold outside. Listen, being being a player that liked the ball, your feet are frozen. The ball is hard. It doesn't go as far. It's he's from Georgia. cold out. He's from Georgia. <laughs> yeah, but still, like, running on, I mean, quite frankly, even the temps in New York right now, running outside, it's like running on bits of glass. Like, you don't feel your feet, and kicking the ball is the most painful thing ever. I will it's, continue to do it, it's but miserable. it's brutal. It's miserable, and your lungs don't really take in the air the same, and you're like, you have more layers on, so it's harder to run. So, like, there's all these little things that play into it. They got a tough schedule coming in. Now, they had an awesome preseason. Now, who knows? Some guys rested. Some guys didn't. Even Karatskelia, has he has he played in any big games? I mean, maybe you say he's at a disadvantage because he hasn't played at that level. I don't care where you train. Nothing is like the game, you know? 
Um, so, so is he at a worse level, a better level? It's going to really come down to the individual and then, and then putting all those individuals together as a group to see who comes out of it. But I think uh, we're going to find out a lot about Napoli in January. I don't think we're going to have to wait until April or May to, to figure out if Napoli are the real deal or not, if they're going to win the Scudetto. I think we're going to find that out in January, to be quite honest, because if they get out of January uh, with a pretty good record and a good point total, coming out of the break in, in a good way, then I think they win the Scudetto. If they don't, then uh, then they're going to be in trouble. Apropos of nothing, uh, Napoli have done something that I think is very clever uh, over this little break, and that they just played a friendly against Lille. Um, and now the friendly is meaningless. Uh, it doesn't matter that they lost that game. Uh, but if you look at the number of Lille players that are just thriving, like former Lille players that are now thriving in Serie A, uh, Rafael Leal, Victor Osimhen, Oh, uh, Mike Magnani. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're just getting ahead of everybody else. Uh, it's like, all right, who are we going to snatch up now in January or in the summer? I saw, uh, under I the pretense, under the pretense of a friendly. I saw Tim Weah posting on his story, like linking up with Osimhen again. <laughs> I was like, ah, any any uh, sky blue in your future, Tim? <laughs> uh, so what's uh, before we we sort of say goodbye because we've been at this for a minute now? Um, yeah. We we haven't really had a chance to chat since at least me with you guys since the passing of Sinisa Mihailovic and it feels like that would be sort of an appropriate place um, to say goodbye. Uh, I've been reading a lot of the tributes that, you know, former players and former managers have, have given um, obviously, you know, very sad news with the passing of uh, Sinisa Mihailovic who lost his battle with cancer. I thought the most moving of the, the tributes that I read was from Roberto Mancini, who, you know, knew him as a friend, knew him as a, uh, as a teammate, knew him as a coach. Mancini and uh, Sinisa were uh, teammates at Sampdoria um, toward the end of um, Mancini's career. Also, also at Lazio, they went there together. Uh, he ended up, when Mancini took over Inter, he signed um, Sinisa uh, in San Siro. Um, and so, you know, I remember as a player being just this sort of fiery, um, bit hot-headed, a bit of a short fuse, but with this just beautiful left foot that you had like a graphing calculator for a left foot on set pieces where you could just draw any curve, any parabola from any angle that he wanted to. Um, and, and usually you think of those players that are, that have that beautiful soft touch um, on set pieces of like the Andrea Pirlo types, um, the, the Ronaldinho types. Sinisa had a different sort of character to, to those players and a different approach to the game, but still had that magic in him. Um, and then as, as a manager, one of the things that I, sort of respect the most because again we're not at the training all the time we're not at the in the locker room all the time is how much can i see the manager's impact in the way that a team plays one of the reasons i loved Maurizio Sarri when he burst into the scene was because his Empoli team and his Napoli team played exactly the same brand of football they, they had exactly the same principles the level of the players was different but the impression of Maurizio Sarri was right there in those teams I think it's happened with Allegri as well where, in places where he's won with Tanisa Mihailovic I think it was so evident that teams took on the characteristic of their manager like players ran through walls for Mihailovic when he was healthy and when he was sick. Um, and I just, I, I love that about a coach when I can just see that they're playing for him, that his ideas are clear and they're coming across even to somebody who's watching from a distance like myself. Yeah, I, I just, it's a huge loss for, for Calcio. Um, just the amount of heart that you knew Sinisa had. Um, you always hate to lose that from the game and you hope that somebody kind of picks up the torch um, for them and kind of emerges as that similar personality to other players. Um, so he certainly will be missed. I think when you look around at the messages and, and uh, you, the, the, the people that you see and the messages that they write, they're not these generic messages. 
they're not these just this uh, you know it, uh, sort of what you what you see when someone's uh, unfortunately leaves especially too early um they were very personal and 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 like just a lot of praise and a lot of warmth coming from really big name guys in the game i mean almost all of them actually so you you know yeah on the on the field he touched a lot of people but also off the field i think his character was was immense and and he was loved by so many important people and so many good people and and i think he was a great manager i think he had a lot of quality when he played so he's a guy that's uh like like christine says it's a it's a massive loss for culture i think i think that's go ahead aaron for for me it says a lot that i like really really respected and like admired and liked a lazio player i i I hated (laughs) but i loved sinisa mihailovic as a left-footed player um as someone who liked to strike free kicks, as someone who took pride in not ball striking. Like I used to watch videos of him just constantly, the way that he like the artistry he had with the ball was insane to me. And to see the the tributes flow in for a player like that, for a person like that, for a manager. And he had a lot of style as a player. He had a ton of style as a manager. You could see the kicks, the hats, everything he just seemed like a person you would want to be friends with and play for and uh, taken too soon. But the one thing you can say for a situation like this is that his impact will be felt through history. I think. I I think we can probably go off on, on a high note at this point and say, uh, as a reminder, this is our last Twitter space for Calcio e Cappuccino. We'll be back in the new year as a fully-fledged podcast format, so you can follow along with us. Thank you to everyone that's joined week over week um, to listen to us chat Calcio. Um, January 4th, huge day in studio from 6.30 a.m. All day in the studio coverage with everybody. Jure on the call, as always, with Mateo. Um, If you have not yet subscribed, we are back at it with our promo code of S-E-R-I-E-A. 30-day free trial for P+. You don't want to miss out for the remainder of the season. Um, thank you to Dre, Aaron, and Grella, as always. I'm disappointed that uh, Elon didn't join our last Twitter space. I see him keep, keep mean... popping into those at random, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit bummed out. Anyway, great talking to you guys. Buon Natale a tutti. Tantissimi auguri di buon anno. We will see you in 2023. See you guys. It was a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply.